My name is Lauren and I am an alcoholic. This is an open meeting of the Atlantic Group of Alcoholics Anonymous and all are welcome to attend. We hope that what you learn here may be helpful to your recovery and or your understanding. The format of tonight's meeting is two 10-minute speakers, the first of which will speak on the eighth tradition, followed by our information brief, and then our main speaker will speak for 30 minutes. Our first 10-minute speaker to share on the eighth tradition is Daima. up this morning um, um, I didn't ex <laughs> and I'll stop there and just say thank you Matt <laughs> um, for um, inviting me to participate in my sobriety today um, I want to welcome there's there's three things that I like to keep in active state so that I remain safe sane and sober and the first is my sobriety date and which is a fragile gift um, which is May 8th 1994 um, the second is a sponsor, and I am so grateful that Deborah is my sponsor, and it keeps me in <laughs> tip-top shape. Um, and the third is a home group, and my home group is an Atlantic group. And I want to say I celebrate all of these things with the top of my heart because Atlantic group and Deborah, um, and all of this is louder than my brain. But I still have alcoholism, and I am not perfect. Um, Actually, my, and, and my sponsor was just, we were just talking about this before. She's not perfect, um, and AG is not perfect, but it's like the best thing for me. And, it, and I'm not perfect, and I'm gonna let you know right now, this lead is not gonna be perfect. Um, <laughs> in any shape or form. Like, um, I'm really, really grateful for the eighth tradition. Um, and I'm going to talk about the tradition. Like, um, I, I want to welcome you if you're new um, to Alcoholics Anonymous, um, and if you and if you had to fight to get here in your own brain, you had to fight your thoughts to get here. You had to fight your thoughts not to pick up a drink today. Congratulations and welcome. You did great, and you're sitting in an AA meeting. That's really hard for an alcoholic. Like myself, I remember when I was 60 days sober, it took everything I had not to drink. And, um, wow, it's just stunning that, I, that I'm still here. And the things that have kept me here is the, um, the, the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, but the thing that, that also keeps me here that is equally and like probably even more vital is what kind of actions do I take to make sure that my home group um, or any group or AA as a whole stays together. Like I know how to keep my recovery together, like, um, but how do I keep my group together? And if you're new and you're like, um, a, a, what's a tradition and B, why am I here? I want to say that all of the people that are sitting here in some way, shape, or form have had to use the traditions in their lives um, and in this group so this group can be here for you when you arrive. Um, I'm going to, uh, let's see, the eighth tradition. So I'm going to read it right here. Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional. 
but our service centers may employ special workers. This tradition is very, very simple. It, it basically um, tells us that, um, that <laughs> as many sponsees that I have, I don't get a dime for any of the phone calls I get. I pick up the phone because I don't want to drink. That is it. And so I, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a professional AA. I don't go, I, I um, the only schooling I did was reading the big book with my sponsor and then reading it the same way to my sponsees. Like I don't get a dime. <laughs> Even so much like I, um, and I'm really grateful for that because this non-professional thing, like if I, and I'm just gonna speak from my experience, like if I got money or worked at a facility that um, was for 12-step work, um, if it were a company, then there might be a boss. And that boss might have some ideas on how the 12-step work should go. And I know for me, I'm a hard-headed alcoholic. I come in this door and I'm suspicious. I am like, I am like, I'm looking at all of you with a big side eye. I know you've seen it. <laughs> I'm like, and I have eye rolls for days. And so I'm already suspicious. I'm not gonna roll up in here and like, if I know you're getting paid, I'm out the door. I don't wanna hear anything you have to say. I want, not unless you're gonna share your money with me. You know what I mean? So, um, that's so non-professional. I'm not a professional. I do this because I'm, I pick up the phone and I'm not perfect at it. Actually, I'm gonna be honest, like where we got five minutes and then I'm gonna go to the other part of the, the tradition and um, what it means. Like, I'm not perfect this, this week. Like, um, it's the summer and I just got a, a very hefty job that is like took a lot out of me and I'm like, I just wanna relax. And um, my spot, there was this sponsee who um, needed my time, and I got caught up in my beautiful life, and I dropped the ball, and that wasn't nice, and it wasn't good for my sobriety. But like, if I were getting paid, that would be a different story. I had to like go and make a mint and like set it right, make the time up, and talk to my sponsor, come clean, not because I was getting paid because I knew that my sobriety was impinged upon me making that right with the sponsee. That's why money can't be involved in this. The 12-step work. Now, there's a different thing. Um, I mean, how do, we get the, how do we get our big books? How do we get our literature? How do we get, um, how do we have an, a, a website where, and, and like, a website where we can just click, do a few clicks to get to a meeting anywhere in the world. Think back to 1940. Like, I mean, Bill Wilson had to like go, go through a phone book. I'm like, what's a phone book? You know what I mean? Like, so there's a whole lot of work. I don't know if anybody built a website. I certainly have it and I am not good at it. And so like, there's people that have to do that. And do you think 
I don't know about you, like my AA service positions, like I do it for my sobriety, but do you think I'm gonna go and like mop up <laughs> for free for like days and days on end or maintain a website? I get bored at my regular job. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Where I do get paid. So if I'm volunteering, I'm an alcoholic and I'm like so doing my best. But like, we need to pay people to do the things so that we can make 12-step work happen. And that is what the special work, um, but our service centers, man's board, special workers, oh my God. Like I have all, I collected these notes in a rush and um, I have a few minutes. I wanna read some gossip um, because I'm feeling snarky today. Um, but it's relevant to the eighth tradition, Deborah. Like, trust me, okay. Um, whoops, like I'm truly like, anyway, okay. So this is some historical in, in, info related to Tradition 8. In 1942, October, Clarence Hess stirred up a controversy after discovering that Dr. Bob and Bill W. were receiving royalties from big book sales. Bill and Dr. Bob re-examined the problem of their finances and concluded that royalties seemed to be the only answer. Bill sought counsel from Dr. Edward Dowling, who suggested that Bill and Dr. Bob could certainly not accept money for 12-step work, but should accept royalties as compensation for special services. So they did that, all of that work writing the book. That isn't, I see where they're saying, it's like that's not sitting down one-on-one -on -one with another alcoholic. And so this, in 1942, with Clarence S., one minute, is what happened that sort of like laid the foundation, all of our, um, the laid the foundation, all the stuff that was happening between us that led us to the traditions. And there's a lot of other things. I'll finish this really quickly. The, this, the, this latter formed the basis for Tradition 8 and Concept 11. Both co-founders dedicated so much of the time to the fellowship, it was impossible for them to earn a living through their normal professions. Um, thank you again, Matt, for allowing me to participate in your sobriety. My sobriety, my sobriety. And um, <laughs> not perfect. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, seriously, and if you're new, keep coming back, and then the, the next speaker should really, will um, hopefully do, be um, engaging. Okay, all right, thanks so much. <laughs>
one of us had to keep the family tradition going, and I get to carry that on. Um, so my first drink was when I was 13. Um, there was nothing really special about it. Just kind of a classic um, after-school special. Um, stole some alcohol from my parents, me and my friends. Got drunk after school, and I think we just did it because the older kids were doing it. Um, just wanted to be cool, fit in, but I don't remember feeling anything special about it. And it went on for like that for occasionally for a few years, and then when I was 16, I really felt the power of what alcohol can do, and I ended up in the hospital for binge drinking. Um, and I tried to learn from that. I actually didn't really drink for the rest of high school, um, very occasionally. And, but I, I knew right away that time that like I used it specifically to escape my problems like in my life and in my head. And I knew that's what I could use it for. So come college, um, I was off to the races. I mean, I thought I had learned from my experience and you know, who doesn't drink a lot in college? So, but right away it became just constant, um, all the time, whenever I could. I was basically in a state of under the influence or recovering. Um, ended up almost getting kicked out of the dorms. Uh, my physical health took a toll. I would wake up from blackouts with random injuries all the time. Um, and I thought it was fun at first trying to piece together my nights, but sooner or later, not remembering things does get scary. And my friends, my freshman year even, gave me a big book that they stole from the library. And they just told me it was a joke. I should have probably taken that as a sign at the time, but um, I just, I always felt like I like over, was overthinking. I felt a victim to my head constantly. Um, you know, I was either trying to avoid my hyperactive thoughts or trying to like, escape just boredom of everyday life that I just didn't want to deal with. And it never really made sense to me too because, you know, I couldn't, I was doing well in other areas of my life and there was an old saying that like I always went back to that your mind is an excellent servant but a terrible master and the first time I read that I just identified with it so much. I always felt like, you know, if I needed to I could guide myself and direct myself to accomplish the things I wanted to in school and work and my social life. Things were going really well, and I used that to justify how much I was drinking all the time. But at the same time, I also felt like I had no control over my thoughts. Like, um, I was constantly just not able to manage them. I was reacting to things in ways that I hadn't intended to. and. Especially in terms of drinking, I mean, I had so many nights that I was so desperate to stop. I would call people, I would talk to people about it, especially my family, and ask what to do. The amount of times AA was recommended, and should have tried um, earlier, but I'm glad I'm here today. Um, and, you know, it was just amazing how I could control my actions in one way, but then my mind would maneuver and manipulate my thoughts to the point that I could justify drinking in any circumstance I needed to. And that's how it went, and I 
just kind of accepted not having control and kind of embraced being a functional alcoholic because I thought that's the best I could do, you know? I mean, like I said, other areas of my life were going well. And I justified it by, um, you know, inflating my ego to the point where I thought other people just couldn't do this. Like, I'm better in some way because I can still live a successful life and also drink at the same time. It's not that I can't stop, it's that they can't do this. And boy, how wrong it was. But uh, that was my way of looking at it. And, you know, it quickly turned into just losing all ambition, losing goals, my drive. I was basically just spending every day counting down the hours until the next drink. And um, COVID definitely didn't help once I left college. Just isolated and drank through my days. Um, work never really stopped me. Uh, the industry I was in helped further that too. Um, but, you know, I, I had a moment at college ending and I thought, okay, now it's time to clean up, slow down, that didn't happen. And then I moved here last summer um, and I thought, all right, you know, I've been dreaming of this since I was a kid and I can't mess this up, you know, I mean, it's the big city. I gotta get my I gotta get my stuff together and really do well. Um, and you know, it quickly became out all night drinking. Um, I introduced harder substances. I was going on basically forty-eight hour bends, like benders over the weekend, and just struggling so much. I mean, within six months, I really brought me to my knees. And I feel like the tip of the iceberg was waking up one morning finding on my phone that I had been researching rehab facilities and had no recollection of it at all. Um, so I knew at that point, you know, I, it was either going to be that or maybe I give this away thing a shot and see what they have to say. Um, luckily, I have two uncles in the city who are in the program and I basically was able to stage myself a self-intervention with them. Um, I owe so much to them. And I'm so grateful to have them in my lives. They brought me to meetings, specifically Tuesday AG was my first in-person meeting. Um, it's my second day sober, and I met Alan and Curtis. They were the first people I met, and Curtis is now my sponsor. Um, so I tried to dive into the program as quickly as I could um, and just take all the advice. You know, some days are still really hard. I really crave that relief and that escape, but knowing that it's temporary and knowing that I'm just going to end up right back where I was, and it's just basically a feedback loop of feeling horrible and escaping for a little bit and then just going right back to the beginning. Um, so I knew I needed another solution. and. You know, AA as a whole, I really think the one day at a time thing has been the main thing that's keeping me going. I mean, or hour or minute at a time, because some days have been really hard. I mean, I still have a lot of work to do on myself and um, a lot to learn, but also AG in particular. I mean, seeing all your beautiful faces every week has been the highlight of my week, um, especially this meeting. And the fellows that I've made here and the friends that I've made, I mean, have 
really gotten me through some of my hardest nights so far, um, and I could, I can't be more grateful. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm still, still working on a lot, thank you, um, and I'm happy to be more a part of the program now. I never thought, I mean, when I started my first week, I had to really look back and realize that, I mean, for six years, I didn't spend more than 48 hours sober. Getting to almost six months now is still like absolutely unbelievable to me. Um, and yeah, I'm just gonna keep talking to you all and taking your suggestions. Even when I don't, I do internalize it and remember it. Um, but I'm trying to learn and um, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. My name is Preacher, and I am an alcoholic. Our main speaker tonight is Colin. Thank you, thank you. Hello, everybody. Hi, hi, hi. My name is Colin. I'm an alcoholic. And it is just such a pleasure to be back home, to be back with my family. Look at all these people. I miss all of you. So, I, 11209, that's my sobriety date. My sponsor is Stacy. And thanks to Jen, I'm here. I'm here tonight. I know the acoustics sound funny, but can you guys hear me? All right, perfect. How about online? Can you guys hear me? Hey, Bonnie, what's up, Bonnie? I see you. Can you hear? Okay, Bonnie cannot hear me. All right, now she can. Good. Bonnie can hear me. I love you, Bonnie, by the way. So, guys, I want you to help me give a big shout out to my wife, Tina. This is very important to me. My wife, Tina, is in Houston, Texas. Right now, we live in both states. She can't be here right now because she's been caring for her mom for the past seven months that was put in hospice care for 30 to 60 days. Because of my wife, Tina, I dare you. Because of my wife, Tina, her mom lived for seven months and just passed away two days ago. So could you please just clap your hands to show some support and some love for Thank you. That means a lot. God bless you all for that. All right, so I'm going to take it way back today. Matt, thank you for choosing me to speak at my home. I love this. So I'm going to take it way back. Definitely drugs is a big part of this, but singleness of purpose, that means that I can't really I mean, like, my God, if I tell you guys, you guys are going to get up and run and now I'm going to be to me, so I'm not even going to touch on that. Well, I can't anyway, so yeah, let's not do that. So it all started when I was a kid. I was this young little kid, mom, you know, born and raised in New York City. My mom had Carla and I in New York, and we lived on 83rd Street, Central Park West. Then the guy, that's my dad, he wasn't there. Come to find out, he had another family somewhere else. This guy's an alcoholic. I found out, I found all of this out later, so 
you know, God bless him, but he didn't want to be with my family because he had this other family, and you know what, that's all right. So my mom did the best she could, but she was taking care of myself, Carla, my sister, as well as Carlene and Leslie, our older brothers and sisters. So we moved up to Harlem, New York. My mom's working, and she spoke French and Creole, because we're Haitian, Haitian and French. So she didn't speak English that well, but she made sure that we spoke English in the house. You know, she, she wouldn't even let us talk. Well, that's not true. We spoke Creole and French a lot, you know, but English, we had to learn English. And then she went to school, you know. Bottom line is my mom spoiled me. I was the baby of the family, and she, she, she so they say she gave me everything. She, I was a spoiled little brat, yeah. But I was a nice brat. My mom raised me well. You know, thanks for that. She, she's a good lady. She raised me well. So I was a spoiled brat, but I wanted everything. Cause, and she gave me everything. So I knew, oh, man, I can get a lot of things. I just have to do this. I just have to be like that. And then I'll get that. So these are things that are coming to me while I'm a child. So I'm starting to learn the arts of manip manipulation, you know, I'm starting to learn that from a little kid, and that's not good. But then, when I'm growing up too, I see people on the streets, and where is it? There you are. The other day, you were speaking, I'm looking down at you, Adam, there you go. And Adam said something. You know, if somebody says, oh, yeah, I'm never gonna do that. Yeah, watch them, red flag, stop. Stop that dude. Yo, that's one thing I would say. I would say, I will never. This homeless person asked me for 25 cents. You know what, man? Get a job. How dare you ask me for money? I'll never do that. Or, I'll never shoot up heroin. That's disgusting. I'll never do I wish to God they would have red flagged me then. Oh, I wish. I, that was a, I was so happy you said that that day. I can identify with that. So, yeah. I wasn't red flag, you know, so I just kept on going, kept on going. Then, my mom moves us down to Miami. So, eventually we went from Miami to New York, two, three years in New York, two, three years in Miami, and it's like, oh wow, we're learning the best of both worlds. So I started going to high school, I started learning French, as you were, junior high school, and then high school, in both states, and then alcohol comes into the picture. Year comes into the picture. This thing called MD2020 came into the picture. Yeah, why did they create that nasty thing? And that's like the first thing a lot of people try is that one right there. If you haven't tried it, don't in investigate it. Don't go look for it. It is the devil. It will get you. You know, stay away from that thing. So yeah, start drinking. And then it puts me in a different mood. It puts me in This feeling, you know, I, I, I'm more confident. Already, I'm, I'm confident. You know, I always, I would always hear that I look like a girl. This was back then, like when I had a hat on. People would say, "Oh, what a cute girl you have!" You know what I mean? Like, okay, that must mean that I'm cute. That's not bad. <laughs> That's a good thing. You know what I mean? So I always thought I was a good-looking, pretty boy. I was like, "Oh, I can use that." I don't know where this manipulation came from, but it just became more when I started using. When I started using, I just wanted to get more, get, get everything, just be the best that I could be and, and, and take it from others and, and giving to myself and just stupid stuff, man. Then when I started using, like I was 
touch on it one more time. Heroin, cocaine, crack. I never told any of you that, but I did all of that. I shot up, I, I did all of that, guys. I went there, but it was all because of alcohol. Once I got that first drink, and it's true, once you get that first drink, or move, once I get that first drink, I can't stop. That's the, that, that just opens the door. You know, then from there, I got the oh, let me try another one. Let me try another one. And then I get to the point where a friend of mine, as a matter of fact, big shout out to Mom Payne. You know, Carla and I had friends of ours in New York, and her son became one of the biggest stars in the world on TV. And we see that, and she's like, Carl, become an actor. You can be like Anthony. You can, you can do that too. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me try this. But let me go and try some stuff first. Let me go drink first. That was my focus. Then it came to the point where I had to get headshots. I didn't have any money. But this dude was, that I knew used to sell drugs right down the street. He's like, yo, come work for me. I'll make sure you get the, at the time $250 to get your headshots. Okay, I started working for him. I started making the money. And then I just spent it on drugs. I spend it on alcohol, I spend it on party. I decide, oh, let me go to the strip club. And things like that, I never got those headshots. I just wouldn't get them. Eventually, it got to the point where I couldn't control my addiction. And it just became too much, where I'm, I'm an extremist with everything I do. I exaggerate with everything I do. I just have to put it closer to my mouth. Thank you so much. I just exaggerate with every single thing I do, and I and I want more. I want to do more. I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep doing more, and that's what led me to a lot of problems. To the point where I I was out of control, and I couldn't stop. That became my life. I had to do that. I had to live for it. And you know, mommy, if you're watching right now, I'm wearing that mama. I'm so sorry that I put you through this. But I thank God for the man that I have become and that I am now. Because my mom, I'm able to show her different, a different person now. But we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. But it's a long road. Like, ooh, my sister Carla and I, we were like two peas in the pod. It was Carl and Carl. Whenever you would see Carl, you would see Carl. And she was two years older than me. So I'm like following behind Carla wherever she goes. She was like the coolest cat. Living up in Harlem, New York, or down in Miami, she was so cool. And I'm following along with my sister, and she had all the contacts and connections, and then we become drug dealers again. And this time, we're going to Jamaica and Bahamas, but yet, we're not making money. Because all the money we get, you know, the, it wasn't really much money that we're spending it. Was, as soon as we get it, it's going right back out. So it just wasn't adding up. You know, then my addiction, everything becomes too much for me to the point where people didn't even want me around them. You know, I, you see how I look now? I don't look nothing like that when I'm getting out. I don't look nothing like this at all. I am just the nastiest, nicest person ever. Yes, hold on one second, guys. So, for the record, those that don't know, we have a problem with the microphone. 
Do I have to stop moving? <laughs> she said no. All right, so we're having problems with the mic. Guys, online, can you hear me? All right, they said no. Is that perfect now? All right, so perfect, thank you. So what I was saying is that the person that you see now, and, and another thing, I have my memory back. A couple of years ago, better yet, maybe even a year ago, I wouldn't have remembered any of this. What I just said, I wouldn't have remembered because my short-term memory was just so powerful. I would forget things immediately, but, but I remember them now. And that's big shout out to my wife for helping me to, you know, with Omega and fish oil and just, you know, getting help with <laughs> so on and so forth. For those of you that don't know, my wife Tina, she is an elite pro bodybuilder. Sandra, I want to move this up some because I feel like I have to bend down too much. I'm going to move the mic up a little bit more. But yeah, perfect. Thank you. So like I was saying, I was, when I was getting out, when I was out there, I was out there and I would, I would not take care of myself. I wouldn't care to bathe. I wouldn't care to clean myself. And I just wanted to hang out and party and this and that. No one wanted me around. You know, and that's embarrassing. You know, I, I had feelings. As a matter of fact, I had an ego. I used to call myself, no, I really did. I had an ego. I used to call myself King Carl. Then I started calling myself KC. Then I started calling myself Your Majesty KC. Isn't that funny? Isn't that hilarious? But oh, I was also a rapper, too. Well, I still am. If I'm not doing my acting thing, I'm a rapper. But I kind of put that on hold for a bit. But my ego was like way out there. But I had nothing. And I, and I was doing nothing with myself. I was, I was doing nothing for the world. Nothing to make the world a better place. But yet I thought I was all of that. But I'm living in my mom's house, sleeping on the couch for many years. But I didn't figure that out yet. You know, I thought, that's cool. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to be the biggest star in the world. Yeah, but that just wasn't happening, and I, I wasn't doing anything to change it either. I was just getting worse and worse. Then it got to the point where I started getting incarcerated. I was finally given a two and a half to five year prison sentence, and this was in New York State. And in actuality, I did five years, in and out. I went in and out. I was, I would receive probation, then I received parole so many times. They let me out so many times. I've violated parole so many times. But yet they kept letting me back out. They would arrest me, but they would let me back out. They, I, I did a military shock boot camp, sir, yes sir, all of that. I learned a lot of discipline. I'm happy I learned that, that helped me too. But bottom line is I had no control over myself. And I heard about AA. I heard about, I've been to AA many times. But I'm one of those, this wasn't my first time coming here and I stayed. No. For those that are new, I'm just so happy that you're here. We're all happy that you're here. Give yourselves this shot. Give your, give your life a shot. Because I, I wasn't happy. And they would always say that, oh, just two of you are going to make it. Like, say, for instance, if you're in a program, just two of you are going to survive. You better get two of you are going to last. And I was never one of those two because I just kept thinking, I have to go one more time. Just one more time. I want to get outside. I want to get out there. I want to just feel that feeling one more time and live that life. 
strip club where everybody's drinking. You know, imagine that. What do you think's gonna happen next? For me, I just kept going. And then after that, I would leave and go somewhere else and just the same cycle, it just kept going, kept going, kept going. Then finally, my mom, we were in Miami at the time, my mom did a thing called a Baker Act. And I don't know if you guys know what that is, because that's a Miami thing, I think. But what a Baker Act is, is that you are, involuntarily, it's not you, it's whomever your family is, they put, they give you a Baker Act and you're put, you're locked up basically in a program or in jail. In my case, they put me in a jail with no charges, no crime for 60 days. I had to go to jail for 60 days. And I was like, ah, I've been in jail so many times, prison so many times, I don't care about that, but I didn't commit a crime, this is not fair. But it gave me time to think. It gave me time to put my life in perspective. And as soon as I got out, I did the same thing. I did the same exact thing. Then I said, you know what, Mama? I want to go to New York. I'm a star. I'm going to be a star. I want to go back to New York. I have to meet one of a big time rap, rap person. Um, we had connections with his, his, cult, his trainer at the time. So I had to meet him. This is a true story. So my mom's like, all right, listen, I believe in you. I'm gonna give you $500, and I'm gonna buy your plane ticket, and you're gonna go stay with my sister. So I, I said, oh my God, she finally believes in me. You know, so I go up there, this was in 2007. Jen, this is when I met you for the first time. So I come up to New York, go to my friend Tommy's house, love that dude, man, helped me so much. And then I meet Jen, and I'm like, man, I'm clean and sober. And she's like, oh, what meetings do you go to? Like, meetings? I don't need meetings. I can do, I have this. She's like, what? Yeah, you don't have this. I'm like, what? Yes, I do. She's like, you know what? And she's a smart cooker, too. She said, oh, you're an actor. She's like, you should be my sponsor. He's in the field of entertainment. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? Ding, 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 ding. You know, opportunist, my opportunist self. I'm like, oh, I should meet him. He might have the right connections for me. So she brings me, she introduces me, and he's, he's such a smart dude. Stacy's not having that. Stacy is not gonna let you get nothing. <laughs> he's not gonna give you no free contact, no nothing. He's gonna give you sobriety. And that's what he started giving me. And I didn't want that. So I went back to Miami. I had to do a photo shoot, went back to Miami. Messed up again. They shipped me back to New York. You get out of here. You can't stay in Miami anymore. Go back to New York. Figure your life out. I get locked up again. I come out. And the reason why I'm going so into this is because I know I was given 30 minutes. And I just want to let you know how out of control my life was. And how right now, I have 13 years being sober. But we're gonna get to that, you know, because it took a lot. You know, it, it didn't happen just like that. You know, but it was because of this place. It, it was totally because of this place. So finally, it gets to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm here, you know, I come back. Like I said, I saw Stacy. I, I was like, yeah, I'm not having it. 
yeah, whatever. I go, I get locked up again. Then I'm like, okay, I go to a program, one of the many programs, and they said my insurance was canceled. I'm like, how can my insurance be canceled? I, I have Medicaid. That's like the, the poor people stuff. They don't cancel that, right? That, how, how do you, they don't cancel that. That stays on like forever if you don't have nothing. But then they're like, well, you gotta go and you gotta go now. Do you know where you're going? I said, no, I don't. And he's like, this counselor said, I suggest you do 90 meetings in 90 days. I said, I've never done that. Huh, I've never done it. As a matter of fact, Ethan, thank you for sharing. I, I meant to say that first. Ethan and Daima. Did I get it right? Daima? I got it right. Thank you, Lord. You helped me with that. I wanted to congratulate you guys for speaking before me and thank you for speaking before me. But I got I heard 90 meetings in 90 days, and the guy said, Do you have a sponsor? Do you know where to go? I knew where to go. I knew where to go. So 10 minutes, thank you. So I contacted Stacy. As a matter of fact, no, I came to AG. I went to CC Park and I saw Stacy. I had on this mink coat. It looked like a rat. But I swore I was fly. That's when I, I don't know where my mind was, yo. Stacy keeps, yeah, stay, ask Stacy about that. He's gonna tell you about that, that mink coat. He hated it. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I thought it was so fly too, man. Bottom line is, I came back and I saw Stacy, and I said, "Stacy, help me, man. I, I want to get my life together. I'm serious." He's like, "I love you tomorrow." My my heart just melted. I'm like, "Oh, sweat." I thought this guy was gonna say no. I I didn't know what to do. He said, "Call me tomorrow." I called him that next day, and that was. That was when it all started. Then from there, I went to a program. Bottom line, January 12, 2009. That is my date. That is my clean and sober date. And people like Nicole and, and Elaine, we, we celebrate together every single year. You know what I mean? And, but it took so long to get there. But one thing I learned is I need to suit up. Like, as I was saying, my wife's mom just passed away. I love you, Tina, and God bless your moms. So, I'm flying down to Houston, but I have a procedure for kidney stones. I have a 1.9 centimeter kidney stone in my kidney right now. It's killing me. But you know what? I was asked to speak today by Matt, plus I have the procedure Thursday, so I stayed in New York. You know what I mean? When I need to be with my wife, but baby, you understand what's going on. So I am coming, but I have to take care of this first. You know, we have to suit up, we have to show up. That's why I'm here, but mind you guys, I am in pain. You know, but it's all good, I'll get over that. I'll figure that out. You know, so I do have my cheat sheet. Let me start looking at my cheat sheet now. So, couple of things that I learned. Now I'm very positive. I'm, I'm just so happy, so go lucky. I want everyone to be the very best that they can be in life, because why not? You know, we're all unique, genuine, incredible human beings, and we were made like this for a reason. You know, why not be a source of, a source of inspiration to others? That's how I look at it. Why not make this world a better place? 
that's what I want to do. So I try and help as many people as I can in this world, and especially with my wife, Tina. We have a, one of the many things we do is we have a nonprofit where we help our people living with disabilities, our, our normal to be quick charitable foundation. We help our people with disabilities to be the very best that they can be in health and wellness. Like there are those living with disabilities that are now bodybuilders, like Wade and BJ, um, Wade and his wife BJ, they own bodybuilders now because of team's training and our motivation. None of that would have happened if it wasn't for you guys. If it wasn't for me becoming this new, positive, you know, driven person in this world. Now I want to do for others. And my wife and I were also, as I said before, I'm in the field of entertainment, I'm an actor. You know, we're also creating our own projects so that we can inspire the world, so that we can impact the world. That's what we want to do now. We want to make the world a better place. It's not, it's not just about me anymore and about what I can do for myself. I mean, of course, I want to do for myself, but I want to do for others too, you know? I'm gonna come up, but you're gonna come up too. You know, like, like I can't wait to create a project with you. I yeah, you, I can't wait. There's so many people in here I cannot wait to work with. You two would love to work with you. Yeah, you, <laughs> Barry, that would be so cool. So many of my peers in here, that would just be amazing, you know? Because we're all champions. So, the greatest pressures always come before the greatest victories. And right now, we're going through, you know, 13 years clean and sober. And it's not, it's not peaches and cream. It's still ups and downs and highs and lows. But I don't have to get high as you were. Well, yeah, I don't have to get high, but I don't have to drink anymore. I don't have to turn to the bottle. I don't have to get all, oh, whoa, 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 it's me. I don't have to do that anymore because I can call Stacy. I can call even Jen. I can text Jen or my wife, Tina, or some of my peers here. You know, I can reach out to you guys. We can chat, we can talk. I don't have to try and face life on my own. I'm so happy to see you back, Harry. This guy's been in and out here for so long, but you never give up on yourself. I'm here for you too, I want you to always know that. So yeah, guys, I want you to know that if you are new to 90 Reasons in 90 Days, get a sponsor, somebody that's gonna work the steps with you, somebody that's going to show, guide you in the right direction and help you to be the best that you can be. Because our lives, look, we were all put here for a reason. You know, we weren't just, oh, you were born by mistake, yeah, live a life of misery. No. No, my, my higher power is God. I know everyone has their own higher power. My higher power is God, and I see God as my father. Why did my father want me to live a miserable life? No, it's not like that. He wants me to live the very best life that I can live, but I have to figure that out, you know? And now it's time for me to give back and help others and make them the best that they can be. And some people like my ex-fiance, Courtney, God bless you too, and, and she should be online. There are so many people online right now. Even my friend Manny and my sister Carla, Carl and Carla, they are all sober now because of me. And I'm like, what? 
Like the other day, Courtney was telling me that because of my inspiration, she's clean and sober. I didn't even know that, and now she's clean for seven years. My sister Carla, I flew to Miami once and I saw her. I didn't even want to go see her, but my, my niece Tiffany took me to see her, and she said, save me, please. I was like, oh, wow. All right, let's, let's have you come to New York City. So they, uh, I went back to New York, they sent Carla to New York, took her to detox immediately. From there, they sent her to the hospital. Bottom line is Carla has eight years clean sober now. That's what I'm talking about, yo. That's such a blessing. I didn't even know that some of these things were happening, but they're happening. Why? Because I'm living a certain way now, and people are able to, you know, see that. And some of them were able to take that guidance and take that leadership. And I'm like, you know what? Thank you. The more the merrier. I'm here for you. I got your back. You know, one thing I always say besides own the room is AG for life. What's up, David? And what I mean by AG for life is I need Atlantic for my life. You guys have heard of that. I know a lot of you have heard of that. But I, I'm the one that created that. I should have, I should have patented, I mean, trademarked that. Cheers, cheers. But I need Atlantic Group for my life. You know, I want you guys to know I am always here. I am an AG family member. This is my home group. Even though I live in Houston, Texas, I live in New York City too. So I'm part of this family and I love you all. I see so many familiar faces. JP, Ron, Black, and Superstar, everybody knows Ron. You know, guys, thank you for this. And if you ever, I'm here for you. If you guys ever need a talk, you know, holla at me. I love you guys. AG for life. My name is Matt. I'm an alcoholic and I'm sure that it looks like tonight's speakers are you and I. Thank you.